I'm getting pretty frustrated trying to get anything done especially, if it requires me to actually talk with someone. I call and am put on hold while being assured that my call is very important. I go somewhere in person only to be told that the person I want to talk with is in conference and cannot be disturbed. It's pretty easy to come to the conclusion that me and my business are of no importance to anyone but me and I'm not always sure about me. I definitely share your frustration. It's like Fred Allen said, a conference is a gathering of important people who singly can do nothing, but together can decide that nothing can be done. This insight may have been based on the fact that any problem if studied long enough by enough experts can be proven to be too complex to solve. That's probably why they don't have time for us. They figure our issues are too complex to solve. John Kenneth Galbraith may have isolated a key variable associated with this phenomenon, faced with the choice between changing one's mind and proving that there is no need to do so, almost everyone gets busy on the proof. It's likely unfair to call this busy work but it would certainly be justifiable to have a conference to explore it. Along with conferences and other popular alternatives to problem solving and dealing with issues is reorganization in its many forms and permutations. For example, we trained hard, but it seemed that every time we were beginning to form up into teams we were reorganized. I was to learn later in life that we tend to meet any new situation by reorganizing, and what a wonderful method it can be for creating the illusion of progress while actually producing confusion, inefficiency, and demoralization. Lest you think this is a new and innovative approach to doing nothing, the frustration was expressed by Petronius Arbiter in 210 BC. Scott Smith offered a more contemporary strategy when he said, the illusion of progress can be achieved by simply rearranging the terms of description so that new acronyms are created. Of course, Smith was merely confirming Irene Peters' point, just because everything is different doesn't mean anything has changed. It comes as no surprise that Ogden Nash likely had the ultimate rationale for doing nothing. Progress might have been alright once but it has gone on too long. I have a couple more thoughts that may suffice to permanently dissuade all of us from thinking that doing anything, taking action, or real progress are either good or desirable. Arnold Bennett knew that any change, even a change for the better, is always accompanied by drawbacks and discomforts. Who needs drawbacks and discomforts? None of us needs either. No less of an authority than Confucius said, only the wisest and stupidest of men never change. How about that? Not only is the status quo free from drawbacks and discomforts, doing nothing is actually the way of the wise. If I may I want to shift the conversation to something that may be a little easier to contemplate. Consider these nine requisites for contented living from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Health enough to make work a pleasure. Wealth enough to support your needs. Strength to battle with difficulties and overcome them. Grace enough to confess your sins and forsake them. Patience enough to toil until some good is accomplished. Charity enough to see some good in your neighbor. Love enough to move you to be useful to others. Faith enough to make real the things of God. 
hope enough to remove all anxious fears concerning the future. Contented living means different things to different people. Martha Washington suggested, the greater part of our happiness or misery depends on our dispositions and not our circumstances. The notion is that being happy is an internal experience and not an external condition. As Aristotle put it, happiness depends upon ourselves. Carlos Castanda believed, we either make ourselves happy or miserable. The amount of work is the same. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, to get up each morning with the resolve to be happy is to set our own conditions to the events of each day. To do this is to condition circumstances instead of being conditioned by them. If I may add to the point, Woody Allen said, the talent for being happy is appreciating and liking what you have instead of what you don't have. Seneca expressed the same perspective in his typically pithy way, a man can refrain from wanting what he has not and cheerfully make the best of a bird in the hand. What then is our bird in the hand? It's health, wealth, and strength, grace, patience, and charity, love, faith, and hope. Having those, Andre Gid advises, welcome everything that comes to you but do not long for anything else. Enough is enough and we have enough, enough of what we need to be happy. We need not seek more nor waste time talking further about it for as Holbrook Jackson said, those who seek happiness miss it and those who discuss it lack it. I'm raising a cautionary hand. Are you skeptical along with me? Do you have your doubts? Do you see it differently? It's as Leo Tolstoy admonished, happiness does not depend on outward things, but on the way we see them. There we go. Do we see ourselves as happy, or do we see ourselves as unhappy? We start each day with the opportunity to choose. How we choose is our call. Decide to be happy or not, it's up to each of us, and the truth of the matter is that we are the only ones who actually care. On that cynical note we need to put the old dog in the truck and call it a day, as a good friend of mine likes to say. The best to each of you and to our listeners along with a special thank you for sharing your time with us.